Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Hey, how's everyone doing on this Wednesday? We're halfway through a week. We're halfway through the week. And as usual, there's so much going on. There really is so much, so much happening, but I do want to put out a reminder and I'll talk about this towards the end of the show or later in the show that tomorrow, my, our Thursday show, our Thursday night show of the 26th will be my 300th show, 300th show. So it'll be a little bit of a anniversary celebration, but we're also going to have on a very special guest. I'm going to have on Jackie Burley. <clears throat> who, who's one of the people who, who runs uh, Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. So tomorrow night show, tomorrow night show, show number 300, a little bit of a celebration. And also Jackie Berlin will be my special guest, Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. We'll talk for a while and she'll also take your call. So I want everyone to drop whatever they're doing tomorrow night. Whatever they're doing tomorrow night, I want them to be here sharp, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And we're going to have on Jackie Berlin, Mothers Against Drug Addictions and Deaths. And it'll be our 300th podcast. Who knew we'd make it? I certainly didn't. Anyway, um, but tonight, there's so much on the docket for show 299. Show 299 is going to be big. Not as big as 300, but still pretty big. Um, so what's going on? We have a few things happening. Um one is we, I believe Biden is sending 31 Stacey Abrams to Ukraine, which that's going to be the, I mean, let's face it, 31 Stacey Abrams. That's it. That's the win. That's the win for Ukraine right there. Russia is not going to be able, Putin will never be able to deal with 31 Stacey Abrams. So 31 Abrams are going to, no, not Stacey Abrams. Come on, Mike. Stop it. Stop it, Mike. Stop being so mean to poor not little Stacey Abrams. You can't say little. Poor Stacey Abrams. Uh, Abrams tanks. Abrams tanks. Um, and I, I does, we'll go into the differences between Abrams tanks and German tanks. I'm not quite sure there's some of a difference, but the bottom line is, is that those tanks are not going to be there for several months. This is a ridiculous thing, right? It's, it's several months of when the tanks will finally arrive. And I'll read more about that in a while. Uh, help hurt. Cause World War Three. Who knows? The excitement never ends in the Biden administration, um, and to the extent they'll go to virtue signal. But uh, also, speaking of other uh, virtue signaling, we have the uh, district attorney here in San Francisco who feels the most important thing to do with crime through the roof, with robberies through the roof with homelessness at an all-time high, with people pissing and shitting on the street daily, with robbings and muggings and raidings and loopings and all this stuff, she decides that she has to do some kind of a celebration of uh, abortion rights. A cel- abortion rights celebration extravaganza. That's the most important thing. The most important thing in the mind, the virtue signaling, whack job lefts. If, if anyone thought she wasn't going to be as wacky as Chesa Boudin, as nutty left wing as Chesa Boudin, as ineffectual as Chesa Boudin, well, their, their questions have been answered. 
because she's proud to join the Bay Area Abortion Rights Coalition to advance and protect reproductive rights. We have an obligation to protect women, patients, and medical providers. Of course, we don't, they don't, it's amazing. She says we have an obligation to protect women, but not once, once these women are out in society, and it's not about abortion anymore, then once these women are raped or women are robbed or assaulted or their businesses are robbed on a daily basis, then they're twisting in the wind by themselves and they don't matter anymore. Oh, and they want to they want to protect patients and medical providers. Oh, interesting. They want to protect patients and medical providers. But they're okay with telling medical providers what they have to say to their patients regarding COVID. That's fine. Forcing medical providers to have to give the government line, the government Orwellian mantra on a board on, on COVID, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, and patients or protecting patients, huh? Protecting patients, really? So giving allowing doctors to give patients the actual real information about COVID or giving patients the choice whether they want the vaccine or not, that doesn't matter. But with abortion, let's go full on body, bodily autonomy, bodily autonomy, baby. And so, and prosecute individuals who violate the law, harass her and intimidate those seeking safe access to care. Yeah, that's a big thing here in San Francisco. You knew that. Now, Brooke Jenkins is the DA of San Francisco. So that's a big thing here in San Francisco, isn't it? You can't get an abortion here. It's impossible to get an abortion. You can get 10 abortions an hour if you want to hear. One person, that is. What is she talking about? Who's who's harassing and threatening, intimidating those seeking access to abortions in fucking San Francisco? This is what she deals with? She, she doesn't care about those who, who threaten, harass, kill, and rape people in the city. That's okay. But this fake, made-up, phony unicorn... Of, of people threatening and intimidating those seeking to have, have an abortion in San Francisco. They make shit up. Don't you understand that? They make shit up. They simply make shit up. They make up fake racist. That everything's racism to them. Everything's racism and abortion and guns. Racism and abortion and guns. That's all they care about. Everything comes down to race, abortion, and guns. They make... Non, they make issues out of non-issues. They make issues out of non-issues. That's the specialty of the left, the wacky left. All of a sudden, you've got this epidemic of people here in San Francisco who want to get abortions, and they can't, and they're threatened and harassed and intimidated. In San Francisco, this is what she's dealing with in a city with crime through the roof. And like I said, when these women are raped or assaulted or their establishments are looted, well, then they're on their own. But when it comes to abortion, they got all the rights in the world, baby. So if you thought Brooke Jenkins was going to be better than Cheza Boudin, you were wrong. Because this comes back to back with last week, a store owner prosecuting a, 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 like, Three-decade store owner, small business owner, because he squirted a homeless person in the chest with water for two and a half seconds. After the guy exhausted every single resource. They love to talk like that in the cities, right? We've got resources. Oh, there are resources. Use the resources. So he used the quote-unquote resources and tried to contact, like, the police, like, City Hall, like, fat-ass London Breed. They did nothing. Like 30 times, they did nothing. And then he squirts the homeless person in the chest with water from a hose, which people do to kids all the time. And they arrest him for some kind of assault charge, 
once again chasing small business owners out and welcoming, welcoming the homeless take over the streets and pissing shit in the streets while they chase the small business owners out. That's the city they want. We'll talk more about that. And staying on San Francisco, sorry to be so provincial right now, but uh, a judge has ordered the release of the body cam footage, finally. Finally, after how many, was it 25 years now, I think? Maybe not quite that long, but it seems about 25. The judge has issued the release of the body cam footage from the Paul Pelosi hammer attack. This is the police body cam. Forget about the actual surveillance video. They must. We know Pelosi had to have at least 327 surveillance cameras. Around, at least as many as they have in the White House around her estate. There's not one fucking video, not even not even a grainy like circa 1968 video of, of the guy breaking in that we can't see when a fucking bodega in the Bronx is broken into. We see video cam footage from 875 angles within two minutes of the robbery. But here we are 25 years later, and there's not one shot of this fucking guy breaking in to the Speaker of the House's second in line for president at the Times House. Not one, but at least we're going to get this. And why did they, why did the judge have to force the release of the police body cam footage that was supposedly used in court during the arraignment? Why wasn't that just released to the public? Why? We see body cam footage released to the public. People get DUIs. Why wasn't the body cam footage released? More San Francisco, Michigas. Remember they call Chicago the Windy City? And by the way, Windy, for those who don't know yet, has nothing to do with the wind. The wind in San Francisco, Boston, New York are much worse. Boston has the worst wind in the country, in the United States. I think the wind in London. Maybe Gator can talk about that. Uh, it might be worse than the wind in Chicago. But the Windy City was about the politicians, right? It was corruption, like blowing hot air. So it was corruption. But you think Chicago's a city of corruption? No, no. Come to San Francisco and you'll see the city of corruption right here, right here. Uh, and uh, what's the other story? There's another story. Oh, yes, this is another good one. We're going to cover all these stories right here tonight. Uh, why are millennials having so many strokes? So this is a headline that I saw on Twitter from today, right? Yes. No, a couple of days ago, January 22nd, in something called Big Think. <laughs> Big think, okay? So big think. Big think now. Remember the name that keep that name in mind. Big think. Why are millennials having I got excited. I see all this headline. Why are millennials having so many strokes? I'm reading now and I'm excited. Millennials are reversing a 40-year decline in stroke deaths. And I'm getting excited now. I'm getting excited. Now ranging in age from 27 to 42, millennials are suffering strokes at higher rates than their forebears did at the same age. Childhood obesity may be the biggest contributor to early stroke. Uh-huh. And millennials were the first generation truly to be affected by this alarming trend. Uh-huh. Childhood obesity rates have more than tripled since 1978. Uh-huh. The best solution to reverse the rise in early strokes is for millennials and future generations to eat right and exercise, especially from a young age. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm reading. And I kept on reading. Okay, where's the vaccines? Strokes commonly strike the old. The average age for the devastating condition, we know, is around 72 years old in men and 77 in women. Millennials, however, are starting to bring those averages down. Millennials suffering strokes at higher rates than their forebears at the same age, reversing a 40-year trend. 
between 20, 2003 and 2012, there was a 30% spike. And now, and then 50% increase. When scientific further passed it, so now I'm going, okay, where's the, where's the vaccine? There are many potential, like, okay, here we go. There are many potential explanations for this disconcerting trend. All right, rising stress, okay. Failing, falling physical activities levels. We talked about that on this show. Daniel has many times. Fewer doctor visits among, oh, okay, fewer doctor visits, less healthcare. Okay, okay. One narrative rises to the forefront, however. Here we go, here we go. As cigarette use in the U.S. declined from an alarming high of around 45 in the 50s to 12% in 2020, all Americans reap the benefit which manifested, but since the 70s, the public health benefits from reduced smoking are being eroded by rising obesity and and its related health complications. Okay, all right. Obesity is noxious. Obesity, 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 cancer, diet and exercise. Wait a minute. The best solution to reverse the rise in early stroke. All right, don't get the jab. No, no. Millennials and few generations to eat, right, exercise. Schools and parents, are, we're, we're, and that's the end of the article. Wait a minute. There's got to be, that can't be right. There's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Well, I can listen to it. No, I don't want to do that. It's the same thing I just read. All right, wait a minute. Obesity, eating right, exercise. Uh-huh. Okay. Nothing about the vaccine. So this is an article called Big Think. They mentioned everything but the vaccine. This is an article written three days ago. Why are millennials having so many strokes? Reversing a 40-year decline in stroke deaths. They wrote this They wrote this now. They didn't write this six years ago. But they, they didn't write this six years ago. They didn't write this five years ago. They didn't write this four years ago. They didn't write this three years ago. They didn't write this two years ago. They didn't write this last year. They wrote it now. And they're not mentioning the jab at all. Many reasons, they say here in this article, many reasons, but they don't, many potential explanations, but nothing about the jab, not even one mention of the vaccine. So this is the game they're playing, folks. This is the game they're playing. We knew they'd play this game, right? Death by coincidence, I think, is trending on Twitter. Died suddenly, sorry, died suddenly. Hashtag died suddenly is, is, is trending on Twitter. And we know they come up with all these different explanations, right? They come up with all these excuses. They come up with COVID itself, right? But there's no scientific data that proves that, that COVID causes heart attacks and strokes. There's, there's, no, there's no scientific data that proves that, especially in young people. Um, obesity has been around. But obesity is not a new thing in this fucking country. Who are they kidding? Who are they kidding? In fact... Really, who are they kidding? People started to exercise much more in the 80s and 90s and 2000s than they did before then. There weren't these big gyms and gym memberships the way there are now. Everyone has a fucking gym membership. That became very trendy, especially in the 90s. That's when I started working out. What are they talking about? If you're going to talk about like the last few years and very in like five-year-olds and 10-year-olds being brought now on cell phones, and not getting out. Yeah, but that, that's not the 25 to 45 generation. What are they talking about? It's all lies. It is. It's all twisting and turning to try to, in other words, it's, it's, it's admitting there's an issue now, right? So why are, 
they're, they're admitting millennials are having more strokes because they can't not, but because like millennials are having more strokes. So they can't not admit that. So what are we going to do? We have to write a story, right? We got to write a story about this, but don't you dare mention that. See the editor in chief saying, don't you dare mention the jab. I want you to mention 17 other things it can be to try to excuse it. But none of them make any sense. It's written now. It's written in 2023. Okay. Obesity didn't just start last year. Obesity didn't just start a decade ago. Okay. And like I said, I can make the argument that people worked out better in the 90s and 2000s than before then. Okay. So I, I don't understand. Yes, obesity is still an issue. We talk about this, what, 40% or whatever. But it's been like that for a long time. I mean, you got to go back, what, six, seven, eight decades? Not 40 years. I think 80 years. When you start seeing people who are much thinner in this country, right? Where there was much less obesity. But this is not a new fucking thing. There's no way you can attribute this incredible rise in sudden deaths and strokes and heart attacks of 25 to 45 year olds due to like obesity and not eating right. That's basically what the whole article was. They say there are many things this could be. And basically all they talk about is obesity and, and, and eating. That's all they talk about. That's what they talk about. Once again, if you want to go into this, not the millennials, what, what is the millennials, what's the not generation, generation X, Z, Y, I don't know what it is, the new generation now, we're talking, you know, we're talking kids that are, you know, 10 to, you know, 18, 20 years old now. I could see them having problems 10, 15, 20 years down the line because, yes, we're getting back into that bad pattern of kids just sitting on their fucking asses on their cell phones, playing video games. Not getting out there playing with their friends. But there's no way you're telling me the millennial generation, you can just blame this on obesity and not eating right. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's been that way way too long for us to see just see this now. And not at least, at least give two lines to the possible vaccine side effects. That's all you got to fucking write. Is now we're looking, beginning to look into possible vaccine side effects. End of story. They don't even put that much in there. This is the game they're going to play, and they continue to play it. People can drop. This number can go up five hundred percent. They're still not going to admit it's a vaccine. They're going to say, "Oh, it's long, long, extremely long-winded COVID, whatever the fuck they call it. Oh, it's a uh, everyone's fat." People aren't going out. They're going to blame everything. It's a, the bad air. It's, it's air pollution. It's climate change. They'll blame every fucking thing in the world they can that would make any possible sense at all, put it all together and package it up because they don't want to talk about the jab. Forget that there are leading cardiologists like Dr. Peter McCullough saying this is causing heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, myocarditis in people of all ages, especially the young. Forget about that. They don't care. They don't care. The journalists know better than Dr. Peter McCullough. A journalist, a big think, whatever the fuck it's called, knows better than the leading cardiologist in the world and other, other major cardiologists and doctors who have said the same thing. That there's no doubt. The data is clear. It is absolutely clear that the vaccine is causing strokes, causing injuries, causing deaths. And we know when the dust is settled, when everything is said and done, in the end of the day, these vaccines are going to cause more harm and death than good. They're going to kill more people than, than, than save. We know that. 
They already have. We know that. It's just that they'll never admit it, but that's the case. That's the bottom line. These are the shittiest vaccines in the history of vaccines. They are the shittiest vaccines in the history of vaccines. Then you have morons. I mean, total morons. I mean, talk about pussy-whipped morons like Joe Scarborough, who come on and say he's glad he got the 85th jab because it made his cold lessen. He, he, he truly believes, like his 85th jab he took made the, co- the cold he just had not kill him. And that if, 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 we, if the rest of us decide not to get the yearly jab like he does, we're all losers. We're all anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorists. Go on MSNBC and see how many big pharma ads they run. And then ask yourself why Joe Scarborough would say something so bat-fucking-crap stupid. So bat-crap idiotic. Because like most of big, big media, big media, he's, you know, he, he goes down on big pharma and, and smile, has a smile on his face as he does it. As a, and, and tells the rest of us that we are the bad guys, that we are the selfish. Because we don't do that. We don't get on our knees to big pharma. We fight that. What makes us the bad guys. But he's in that camp of all those people. Well, forget about, you know, marrying Mika and then, of course, being pussy whipped and having to become a liberal. But also that 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 brand of fake conservative, that faux conservative who saw the gold mine in being anti-Trump. Right. Seeing the gold mine in being anti-Trump and all of a sudden becoming an overnight liberal. Right. From Panhandle, Florida, quote unquote conservative to liberal overnight because of of the uh, like like all of these neocons did. Right. Because of the the profit and the popularity that was in the anti-Trump. Movement. So we've seen a lot of them as a Lincoln project. Right. That's just like basically. Uh, quick money. They saw that these people, these people, are the, they're phonies, they're they're cheap snake oil salesman there's nothing true or honest about any of them or real they just decided this is a good way to get attention and money now by being anti-trump they saw it as an opportunity so that's what they did that's what they did and then they got caught right these people got caught they figured okay we'll be anti-trump but then trump left trump was out of the picture and all of a sudden now they're pushing all the liberal <laughs> they're pushing all the, these these quote unquote conservatives these neocons are now pushing the liberal agenda and buddy buddy with leftists that makes perfect of course that makes perfect sense right right they were all, they were, they were all on the extreme right side of the issues up until trump now they're on the left side of all the issues because of trump it, but it's not because it's not because it's an opportunity right it's not because they can make quick money or popularity or all write books. They've all written a book, by the way. Like all those people that were supposedly uh, fired from the White House, left the White House when Trump was the president. And they all wrote a book that they made a lot of money on because of Trump derangement syndrome. So all these people really tied into TDS to become popular, to be someone instead of the nothing balls they really are. And to make money off it. Tons of money. They've all made millions and millions of dollars off of but Trump. Off of being anti-Trump, and Joe Scarborough was one of them. Joe Scarborough was one of them. He knew that the MSNBC ratings are in the shitter to begin with, and not even half of what Fox News is. But he knew that if he was going to continue being conservative on that station, 
that that show would never, but that show's ratings would be even half of what they are now. So he had to join the anti-Trump cabal just to be, just to stay relevant, just to stay relevant. And then say stupid fucking things like I'm so glad I got the 85th jab because the cold I just got would have killed me or put me in the hospital. I mean, a total fucking moron. You might as well say I walked down the street briskly and that's why it started to rain. And those of you who don't walk down the street briskly are are uh, selfish. It's 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 voodoo science. It's such fucking Neanderthal voodoo medieval fucking thinking. With no statistics, no facts, no nothing to back it up. But their audience eats it up. You see, their audience eats it up. Because what are they thinking about? Look, when he says, I'm so glad I got that sixth jab. And if you don't get your yearly jab, you are this, that, and the other thing. What are they thinking? What are those people thinking in their mind? What is their Pavlovian bell that rings in their mind? Trump. Even though he's the one who made the vaccine. Even though his Operation Warp Speed is why we have these shit vaccines. They can't put that together. They haven't put that together yet. I'm still up in the air as to whether with the campaign starting. I know we've had some debate on the show. We'll continue with the campaign starting soon. And if he, if Trump, if this is a big if, I don't think he will. But if he continues to, to plug the vaccine, that the left will turn on the vaccine throughout 2023 as we go through the campaign as we go through 2023 if trump at his rallies and interviews continues to plug how great this vaccine is that the left will once it will will turn on it because they have to be against what he's for we'll see if that happens i think trump will be a moron to continue to to promote the vaccine because he he's not going to win the primary he's not going to win the republican primary now keep continuing to promote these vaccines as being good when they're shit so maybe he'll just drop that eventually but that's what that's what the msnbc viewers think whenever they think about the vaccine and people taking it it's your anti-trump not taking it your trump is the one who still fuels that feeling in them and that's what people like joe scarborough prey on trump derangement syndrome daniel what's going on can you just imagine what would have happened to the um, abortion uh, um, argument uh, across our country if Trump would have come out uh, directly in favor of the pro-choice side? Oh. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I don't know. That's, that's you know, they're so ingrained in being pro-choice, I can't imagine. I think they would just ignore that. I don't know about. No, that. I think you know what. I, I think they would be saying he's lying. He's lying. He's he's lying to get votes, or he's lying. He's posturing. He doesn't really believe that. They wouldn't want to believe he believes that, even though <laughs> you know you and I know that Trump is pro-choice. Yeah, yeah, he he, yeah. he was for, for forever. He was. Um, yeah, he is pro-choice. But the. But that wasn't reflected in uh, Supreme Court uh, nominations. But nevertheless, yeah, um, by all of uh, ostensibly through 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 the years, he has uh, voiced uh, opinions supportive of by the pro-choice side. But nevertheless, yeah, it would have been the guy, he's a, he's a New Yorker, he's from Queens. Yeah, he's yeah. pro-choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, it, it would have been it would have been interesting if you would have <laughs> said something like that. It would, it would have uh, you know mind blown. Um, but uh, one thing I really w- I wanted to mention, I just want to keep this a brief call, is that big success today. I think you already heard about it on the uh, 
uh, COVID front where the um, uh, AB 2098 bill in California, which was passed and signed by Newsom and limited the amount of uh, uh uh, dialogue that uh, physicians could have respect to COVID-19. Um, that law, that law, that COVID, that uh, Newsom uh, signed into uh, law uh, was about two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a temporary injunction has now been put in place against it um, because of the um, efforts of people like Laura Powell, who's the uh, California representative for the uh, New Civil Liberties Alliance, which we've talked about before here. Please donate to them. They're doing great work. Um, they, because of uh, New Civil Liberties Alliance and the five doctors uh, that with New Civil Liberties Alliance brought this case. Um, and those doctors include um, uh, Tracy Hogue and Aaron Cariotti. I'm trying to think of the rest. Anyway, there is a uh, big success. It's a temporary injunction, but the uh, case was argued very strongly and the judge um, made uh, very strong points that um, it's going to be a hard for the Attorney General of California to appeal this uh, this case um, if they decide to appeal it. If I was Newsom, I would just cut my losses at this point and just say, yeah, yeah fuck it, we're not going to appeal it. Um, but, you know, if he wants to dig in deeper to this hole, you know, go right ahead. He's going to fucking lose Um I am. I am just. I can't tell you how happy I am today about about this. These these people from the New Civil Liberties Alliance. Um, you know, I've only met one of them in person, uh, Laura, Laura Paul. The, the the courage of these people um, and their conviction um, is is just amazing. Um, yeah, I've, t- I've talked to Laura and uh, and you know she basically says she's doing she's doing her work pro bono and um, she basically says yeah. It, I didn't have a choice. I had to do this. I couldn't live with myself <laughs> otherwise is basically what she was conveying to me. Um, yeah, amazing people with amazing conviction and they're winning and let's, let's help them keep winning. Yeah. And, and the good thing about this is it is a, it, once again, it's not a final ruling, but it's a, it's an injunction, preliminary yep. injunction. Temporary which, injunction. Right, right, right. So right now there is no law while it's being hated, right? Basically that's the way it is now. Yep. Right. So the bill was supposed to take effect on January 1st. All right. Yep. But under the law, the Medical Board of California could discipline physicians who. Yeah, they could. The the law stated that the Medical Board of California and the Osteopathic Medical Board of California could just discipline physicians who disseminate, in quotes, information about COVID that is not in line with the, in quotes, contemporary scientific. Who decides who the contemporary scientific consensus is? Gavin Newsom? Is Gavin Newsom, is, is Dr. Fauci and Gavin Newsom the contemporary scientific consensus? Who decides that? Yeah, And, 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 what, that and point, Daniel, I know you're on my side here. I'm appreciating your question. And what, and what other issue, what other disease or illness do they have this kind of a law? None. And, and, of that, not. and that, of course, um, the, the misinformation and, and the um, uh, uh, nebulousness of defining what misinformation was something that the judge focused on heavily, although there was tons of other issues that were brought in and all synergistically impinged on what the judge was focusing on centrally, which was this nebulous uh, definition of misinformation. Um, but um, it was a well-argued case, and the judge saw through it. Um, saw through the uh, attorney general's uh, side of this thing. It was. It's. I think they have a good. 
there may be a good chance that, uh, that Newsom's just going to drop it and, and just cut his losses. Um, who knows? We'll see. Um, but of course, they've got they've got tons of money. Um, they, they, you know, they can just spend all our money, uh, state uh, taxpayers' money, as, as much as they want on this if they want. But uh, it's 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 had its political downsides, and and uh, hopefully he'll just drop it. We'll, we we will see. Well, I can't I can't see losing if they take it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. I can't see. I mean, I think that uh, let's put it this way: the odds are pretty good. If it gets to the Supreme Court, right? Yes. Yeah, so, 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 well, if it gets to the Supreme Court, I think that, that they'll win. But it's, it's very, it's you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping that Newsom drops it, that there is no appeal, and that the judge ends up making the temporary injunction permanent. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that would yeah. be best case. I mean, Kigardi said the rooting bodes well. In any case, our arguments that this law is unconstitutional have strong pre-trial facial plausibility. Not to get ahead of ourselves, of course, or try to predict the final outcome, but this is a very positive development. One more detail, he said. The preliminary injunction ruling also establishes that we five physicians have standing to challenge the law. This is important because a similar challenge filed against it was dismissed based on a ruling that the plaintiffs lacked standing. So that's also yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Um, so some, some other information that, that um, I've gotten from, from Laura about the um, uh, genesis of this bill was that it started the, the because the Federation of State Medical Boards um, basically made this call to action for the issue to state medical boards to um, get behind a a a, an, a nidus of an idea that they had that ended up forming uh, this AB two zero nine eight. California picked up that call to action and um, and they wrote. Um, Along with the, uh, the the California Medical Association, um, they sp- sponsored this bill. By sponsoring it, um, they wrote the bill. CMA, California Medical Association, um, wrote the bill and uh, took it to legislators and asked them to back it. And that's the, the genesis of it. I would like to know, and I've asked Laura, but she doesn't have any more information. I mean, she's got her plate full. Um, we need some real journalists out there. Um, people that know how to do journalism to dig in and find out uh, how this came to how it came to pass that the CMA decided that this was a good thing was the did the medical industry for example did Kaiser Permanente which is a big medical provider and insurer in California did they support this we need to find out who in industry um, backed this up with um, dollars yeah absolutely there's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a very good question. Now, doctors also argue that contemporary scientific consensus is undefined in the law and undefinable as a matter of logic. No kidding. Doctor, one place, one plaintiff, you know, Dr. Tracy Hogue, yeah. wrote in the lawsuit that she is afraid of saying something to my patients that I know is consistent with the current scientific literature, but may not yet be accepted by the California Medical Board. Physicians must feel free to speak truthfully with their patients if they wish to gain and maintain the trust, she said. You know, it's 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 absolutely insane. The whole thing is totally insane and would only pass in bat crap, crazy California. Yeah, it really. Yeah. And yeah. Only, ha- only had passed in bat crap. You know, but Illinois is crazy. New York is crazy. But as we have seen, none of them are as nutty as this as this state here, California. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're going to be they're going to start using words like backwater to refer to California, words that were, were reserved for Mississippi and Alabama and Kentucky. Um, that's that's going to be a word that's going to be used a lot with respect to California's behavior. Um, but yeah, once how, again, how is this my, any different? I, wanna, I know this is rhetorical, but so to the left, how is this any different 
then a doctor, a doctor, uh, why why do they why does the left believe that doctors should be able to give women the full picture when it comes to pregnancy? Right. What if I ran a state and I was a conservative? I said, no, no, doctors can only give the state line on abortion. Right. Doctors can only give the state what the state says the doctor must say on abortion. Of course, if I'm in a, in a conservative place, I'm going to say it has to do with not having an abortion, having the trial. The doctor must the doctor must push the uh, the doctor must push the agenda that the best thing to happen is, is the child be born. What would the left think if I was a governor? I made that kind of a law where a doctor can't give their their own their own medical advice to a woman. Well, the, the answer and the answer to your question is, well, what did Trump say? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 the the, the hypocrisy is never ending with them. Like I said, with Brooke Jenkins, the DA here in San Francisco, this hypocrisy where oh, we must we must protect the patients and the doctors when it comes to the issue, the virtue signaling issue of abortion in a city in a state where you can get as many abortions as you want, abortion on demand, where it's not even an issue here. It's not even it's not even one one thousandth of an issue here. That has to be protected. But when it comes to bodily autonomy and your doctors being able to give you the, the straight the straight word on covid. No, no, that that can't be allowed. It, these people are such utter hypocrites. Yeah, if um, if uh, the myocarditis and endocarditis was principally happening in, in young women, you can bet that the, the left would be approaching this um, quite differently. But instead, it's predominantly occurring in young men. Um, uh, I, you can just imagine how much differently how how much differently they would be approaching this, especially let's say if it was uh, in, in uh, young women of color rather than young white men predominantly being hit by this. You can just imagine how different this would be playing out. Oh, it's much differently. No, yeah. But anyway, rather yeah. than bring, bringing things down, I just I am basking in the winds of NCLA t- today. Um, it just put a huge smile on my face, and it seems like a crack in a six-foot-thick concrete wall that finally some light is streaming through. It's, it's, it's good news. It is good news, and 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 I just hope that um, our, uh, our our evil governor um, is at least rational enough to, to realize that he needs to bail on this, uh, appealing this, or else he's gonna have, he's gonna be jacinded. Well, that's true. I mean, he'll definitely have egg on his face. But he's had egg on his face about look. He had egg. He got egg on his face from day one on the churches. Does it stop them? See, that's the thing, Daniel. He got Aegon on his face from day one on the churches. He was yeah, bitch, but he thought he was bitch slapped on that. Did he? Did that stop him? No, but then he thought he had the backing of a pan hysteric uh, uh, um, California, but that that hysteria is wearing off. And so, you know, this is why Jacinda got Jacinda in Australia or New Zealand. Sorry, the uh, hysteria was wearing off, and people yes, were but waking up from that crazy slumber. The guy who's taking over is just as bad, if not worse. I understand. I was reading about him. Yeah, but that's why Jacinda stepped down, though. He he may he may be just as bad, but that's why Jacinda left. And this guy is going to meet the same fate if they think they're just going to put a different face on it. It's not going to work in New Zealand. It's not going to work anywhere. People people are waking up from their slumber slowly. Um, and thank God for. I use that phrase a lot these days, even though I'm not a believer. But thank God for people like the uh, in, in the NCLA and our local representative here. Hey, in where, California. Where's, where's the ACLU? 
the ACLU is dead as a civil liberties union. They, yeah. they no longer exist as, as a civil liberties union. I'm seeing all these letters, but I'm not seeing ACLU. I'm not seeing yeah. those letters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th- those letters, you might as well um, flesh those. They are never going to be associated with civil liberties ever again. No, of course not. But when it comes to fundraising, they certainly know how to fundraise based yeah. on their virtue signaling. They have virtue signaling, and once again, virtue signaling off non-issues, making non-issues major issues to raise money when there's a real when, when the biggest issue of our lifetime. Yep. The biggest issue, I think, of the century, and that might still be the case 70 years from now, this thing, and they did nothing. They did were totally nothing. silent crickets. Right? Yep. Yes, indeed. Well, um, I've got, I got to get going because I got Please, early go, morning, go to Bob's thank donuts, you, Mike. Go to, go to Bob's Donuts and get me a glazed, get me a chocolate, and get me a those ones you love, the um, the ones you love with the raspberry filling inside. You know, <laughs> gross me out. Dude. You know, I went on, you die. I went on, uh, Dan, Daniel and I have gone to a place called Donuts in San Francisco. They have two locations, right? And one of them is 24 hours and we go, we've, we've had, and they, they have great donuts. There's a line out the door, like at midnight for donuts. And I love the, I love the donut with the raspberry and the filling, the raspberry filled donut, which gets him ill. I went the other night. This is how lazy I am, Daniel. I went on Uber Eats to see if Bob's... <laughs> <laughs> to see to see if Bob's donuts delivered. Wait a minute. So I go out. They do. They deliver. Twenty four hours. I'm like, oh shit. One. I'm thinking after the show. I often have like a sugar thing, my sugar <laughs> rush or whatever it is, and I want to eat. So I went on and Daniel. I put in four donuts in the cart, and it was like twenty two dollars. Oh my god. Because <laughs> because of the the delivery fees. You know. Oh then you have to give it, Then you have to give a tip. That's without the tip. Oh my god. It'll come out to like five dollars a donut. Six dollars a donut. <laughs> And I said, you know yeah. what? And you said, you know, I said, you know what? I think Daniel walks around. I'll just get him to bring me donuts sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would do that. I'd definitely do it. Um, you know, yeah. it's 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 a mile and a half to walk here for the donut mile. You know, so that's three miles. I figure I'm walking my donut off if I yeah. if I ever walk over to Bob's to get one. <laughs> I said, you know, for a moment I was going to do it, and I was saying, no, no, no. I can't be that much of a lazy bastard and spend $25 <laughs> on four donuts. There's no way. And it's also, they're not going to be as fresh by the time they get here. You know, it's better to buy them there and eat it right away. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Especially if they're hot off the, uh, or uh, uh, straight out of the uh, fire or whatever, or the, the grease or the oil, whatever you cook their particular donuts in. I guess if it's baked or cake, they do them differently. I don't yeah. know the whole thing. How, how's, that, how's that for, for stomping out obesity? Buying donuts on Uber Eats, sitting on my couch. Well, you know, if you, if, if you walk a half a mile and a half to get one and a mile and a half back, you're, you're cool. <laughs> that's that's the whole idea, right? That's yeah. the best yeah. uh, all right, Daniel, have a good one. Hey, Daniel, don't forget Thanks. to listen tomorrow night. Jackie yep, I will definitely okay. tune in. All right. All right. Okay. And once again, I do want to make another reminder that tomorrow night, Thursday night show, the 26th, podcast and i know people will look on call in and go mike i see like a hundred no okay i'm talking about podcasts not call in podcasts podcasts my podcast started in november of 2021 on spotify and apple and google and all those other places you put podcasts and i discovered you know like a little but a year ago i discovered um call in and i went on call in so if you put them all together tomorrow's my 300th episode so my 300th podcast of unless be heard will be tomorrow night and my special guests will be jackie berlin of mothers against drug addiction and deaths and her son it's a very interesting story her son is homeless jackie has a home in the bay area outside of san francisco 
Her son is homeless. People will say, what the hell are you talking about? And this is once again, proof as I have talked about many times, that it's not just, people say, oh, the homeless people just need a home. No, a lot of them, some of them do have homes to go to. This kid, her son has a home to go to in the Bay Area if he wants to. But the issue is he's a drug addict. And I forgot where Jackie lives. I'll ask her again tomorrow, but it's outside San Francisco. He'd be too far away from his habit. He'd be too far away from his dealers and he could not live at home. He's a drug addict. So he doesn't want to be at home. He has a home to go to. He could be, he could have a home today, but he doesn't want to. Jackie will talk more about this, but this, once again, there are a lot of people out there, especially younger people out there in that situation where they have a home, they have a family, but they're, addiction is so strong that they'd rather be homeless and close to the drugs. And so Jackie has been spending years now trying to get him better and trying to get him forced off the streets, arrested into treatment. And that has been a real struggle. Um, and uh, she'll, she'll talk, she'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. She's really been working hard. She's, I think there's a second bullpen, uh, the bullpen, um, the second billboard billboard. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at a baseball story. Okay, a, ba- a billboard that uh, that they have put up, Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. The one about a year ago was one that was alerting tourists about how bad, alerting and uh, tourists how bad the fentanyl issue is here. And to make sure, you know, especially if they have any children that are coming with them on their trip here, to make sure they watch out because there's so much fent- free, cheap fentanyl, which is killing children on the streets. A big billboard in Union Square. Now she's put up a new billboard with her son, her and her son on it, uh, begging Joe Biden to get her son and people like him the help that um, that Joe Biden got his son, Hunter. So we'll talk about her. We'll talk about it with her tomorrow. And other stuff and other stuff they're doing, Mothers Against Drug Addiction and, and uh, Deaths. And we will also take calls for her. And that'll be a 300th show tomorrow night. Um, okay, so going back to the issue of the tanks to the Ukraine. So many different stories, right? Domestic, national, international, all these stories going on. The tanks going to Ukraine. So... This has been my prediction on this whole thing, and I've made this clear, is that Ukraine's going to lose. And by lose, it, it won't necessarily meet, look like Russia now owns the Ukraine, everything's gone. There'll be some kind of negotiation at some point here where in actuality, Ukraine won't do very well. But the media will spin it here as though they've done well. The media will spin it here if not for the you know heroic of uh, Zelensky and all the money and stuff we've given, they wouldn't have gotten the kind of deal they got. And they actually better, they'll, they'll spin it to make it look like they've done well, but they'll lose. They'll lose. Eventually they'll lose because this is reality and they're not going to beat Russia. Um, but we continue to pretend that the legacy media continues to pretend, play this game, this fantasy game, this fantasy video game movie that Ukraine can win. Just stick it out. Keep on giving them more money. Now give them tanks and they'll, they'll win. We just got to stick it out. You got to stick it out. It's all bullshit. It's all virtue signaling, right? It's more, it's more virtue signaling. And we've seen that. We've seen it in the fists with the blue and the, we've seen it with the, you know, the flag, the blue and yellow, the pins, the people painting their body, all this bullshit, all this virtue signaling with Ukraine. Um, not understanding, just like with the Middle East and Iraq, not understanding the conflict at all, not understanding the history at all, not understanding anything about the Donbass and the bombing, nothing, nothing, nothing. 
uh, not knowing who the fuck Zelensky was a year and a half ago. Now, of course, he's the hero. He's Jesus Christ, like Fauci. It's the same bullshit over and over again through the brain dead Americans with, you know, they're so easy to to uh, to fool. So what happened was now they were talking about sending these these tanks, right? They were going to send these tanks over for 31 of them, 31 Abrams tanks. It's a $400 million package, including funding for 31 Abrams tanks. So we need 400 million more. I don't know where the other billion went. I don't, someone's got to tell me where the other billion went. I, I don't know. But this would be 400 million more. Um, and uh, for the 31 Abrams tanks, the size of Ukrainian tank battalion, ammunition rounds, support vehicles, other equipment, it will, it will be procured through the, this is, this is different. This is why it's going to take so long, supposedly. It'll all be procured through the Ukrainian Security Assistance Initiative, which is a U.S. funding program to purchase weapons from contractors. Ukraine has received much of its current American-made arsenal through another less cumbersome program that draws down on existing U.S. military stocks so the hardware can get quickly to the front lines. But now we're talking months as opposed to weeks, a senior administration official told reporters. If we do not have it readily within the U.S. stocks, then we go the procurement route to make sure we can procure the right capability for Ukraine. So under this longer timeline, the new Abrams tanks aren't likely to arrive ahead of an expected spring offensive by Russian forces. Ukraine's been pleading the U.S. and Western partners for new armor since the early stages of uh, Putin's invasion uh, almost a year ago. The Ukrainian military currently operates a Soviet-era tank fleet, which is expected to be overmatched in the coming months when Russia mobilizes its offensive in the east. The Abrams tank weighs more than 60 tons with a 120-millimeter cannon that can hit targets about a mile away. At around 45 miles per hour, it's faster than older tanks with specialized armor plating designed to withstand direct hits with anti-tank weapons. Administration officials said the Ukrainian troops' Abrams training will take place outside the Ukraine, but wouldn't say whether it would be held in the United States like the ongoing Patriot system training. Delivering tanks to the field is going to take time, Biden said. Time will be used to make sure the Ukrainians are fully prepared. Um, as, as, uh, as recently as last week, the Biden administration had insisted the Abrams tank was too complicated, too expensive, and too difficult to train Ukrainian forces. A major issue they cited is that the turbine engine guzzles jet fuel rather than diesel, like the German-made Leopard tank. The Pentagon contended that Leopards consume less fuel, are easier to maintain, perhaps more importantly, are already widely available across Europe because more than a dozen European nations operate them and many are willing to send them to Ukraine. In the end, however, the White House determined the the maintenance and logistics concerns weren't significant enough barriers to present spending the agency. We are supporting the Ukrainians to be able to synchronize all of their different capabilities in a unified way that will enable them to retake territory, the senior officials said. So these tanks are going to go there, but it's going to it's going to take months. It's going to take months. So <laughs> how long is this going to drag on for? Seriously, how long is this going to drag on for? And how long are we going to stay invested in this? Well, I think the answer is under this administration forever, at least two more years, right? Until he's out of there. So what is the, what's the end game? What is the end game? Is it, is it to antagonize Putin so much into a nuclear war? Let's put it this way. So that, what, 
if if Putin were to abs- were to lose this war, if there was any chance he was going to lose this war, which is not, let's say he was though, wouldn't he then maybe go the nuclear option, right? So what's the end game? If the end game is to defeat Putin, how does that happen? Once again, I don't think it will happen, but that's their end game. That's what they're promising people, right? So they don't think that he's going to react in a nuclear way if he could, if he really is going to be defeated. He's just going to allow us to defeat him. He's going to allow the West to join Ukraine in defeating him and just say, oh, well, I was outmanned. It doesn't make any sense. The end game is either Russia wins or there's nuclear war, right? Aren't, aren't those the two? Am I missing something? Like I said, the, the most obvious, I, I think the most, um, I was a betting man. I'd say the outcome would be that there'll be some kind of negotiation process later this year, right? Where they get, they sit at the table and they'll negotiate something. And the, 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 the actual result will be Russia will get the better of the deal. But, the legacy media will spin it as though Ukraine did so well thanks to our money because they, they, they're not going to admit, once again, like admitting the vaccines failed and all that failed. They're not going to admit all this money we've wasted, right? All this time and money and investment into making Zelensky this hero, this, this superhero is all bullshit. So they have to protect that narrative. So they're going to say he got a good deal. They're going to say it was all worth it. That's what they'll say. Once again, right in line with COVID. Vaccines were all worth it, right? Lockdowns, all worth it. Masking, all worth it. It's all bullshit. But they'll do the same thing with Ukraine. They'll say this was all worth it, when of course it will not have been worth it. So that's the game that's going to happen here. There's no other other alternative, right? There's, There's no other outcome here. Russia won't lose. Russia is not going to lose this this conflict. And the idea of, of nuclear war, it's, it's – people seem to think it's so outlandish. We're sending them all this money, all these tanks. People seem – and then people will say, well, why are you antagonizing Putin when he has the nuclear weapons? When he can do – why would you do that? Why would you, why would you do this for Ukraine to destroy the world? And people say, oh, that's ridiculous. He's not going to do that. Oh, he's just threatening it. Oh, it's bluster. (laughs) But then on the other end, this is why they don't make any sense. On the other hand, they say he's nuts, right? They say he's sick. He's got cancer. He's deranged. So if you believe all that stuff, why wouldn't he do it? What's he got got to lose? If Putin's this horrible sociopathic guy, doesn't care about anybody else, and he's going out himself anyway, what does he have to lose? So they're not making any sense when they talk about this. Of course, the legacy media never makes any sense. But there's no logic to this. There's no logic to any of it. When you look at the what is the end what is the end game here? What's going to happen in the end? I've given my prediction. But to continue to make ignorant Americans believe that Ukraine's going to defeat Russia. They're going to win this, which is what they're saying. That those are the words they're using. Those are those using. They're not. Those aren't my words. You listen to generals on television on any station, whether it's left wing or right. They're saying the same thing. This is where they seem to be saying agreeing, right? Whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox, all the generals I listen to are saying 
that. Ukraine can win this war. We can help Ukraine win this war. That's such horse shit. If the American people believe, well, look, we know what the, we know how easily they can be fooled. We've seen that over the last three years. But it's amazing how many things they can be fooled by in such a short period of time, right? Right? They, they don't have the ability to say, wait a minute, didn't you just lie about the other thing? Wasn't the other thing there that you lied? But it's one thing after another. It really is. And they know how easily they can be fooled. So why not go for it? Once again, these generals, these I see five-star generals saying that Ukraine can win this thing if we stick it out, right? And I think that's total garbage. Yes. Well, the negotiating table, I think, is the only way this logically can end. Right? Logically can end. But the only way it gets to the negotiating table is to force Zelensky to go there, right? Because this is a big ego trip for him. He's another one who doesn't seem to care about World War Three. He doesn't give a shit. This is all an ego trip for him. This is an ego trip for him. Once this is over, where does he go from there? So unless he's forced to go to that negotiating table and stop playing this game of there's taking on money, taking on money, taking on money, pretending he can win, taking on money, guilting people here into believing that we have to give our money in tanks, guilting people into believing if we don't do this, we're causing the death and destruction of Ukraine. And this constant guilt trip he puts everybody on here. Um, it's not going to happen. Negotiations won't happen because this is all working out good for him. Look, do I hate to sound so cynical? Maybe, but this is the truth. Keeping this war going is making him more popular and more rich, right? Just like keeping COVID going is making a lot of these doctors and politicians, people like Fauci rich, right, and popular. And they all knew once this ended, once they COVID ends, if they would admit COVID was ending, so would they. So would their popularity. So would their gravy train. So they're not going to let COVID end, just like Zelensky doesn't want to let this end. It's the exact same thing. Power and money. Power and money. Power and money, celebrity, validity, popularity. That's all that matters to these people. And it's the people like Biden and the left and generals when it comes to the Ukraine thing that are pumping up. Right, right, It's our politicians. It's our citizens who are pumping up. It's the legacy media who's pumping up people like Fauci, creating that monster, making that monster more and more evil, right? Want more and more, want more and more. And the same thing is going on with Zelensky. They're feeding that ego. They're making the monster even bigger and bigger. At some point, but, and this would be very simple, but once again, this doesn't fit into the narrative of virtue signaling. If I'm the president, I'm saying, that's it. You're going to the negotiating table. You're going to the negotiating table. We're not giving you any more money. We're not giving you any more weapons. We've done enough. Go to the negotiating table and try to save face. That's it. And obviously, we have the power to do that. But that would go against this narrative of virtue signaling, right? That might take like a real mensch, a real man. 
excuse me, a real woman to do that. But no, we'd rather just virtue signal and virtue signal and virtue signal and put us more into debt, 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 debt, putting money into this war that's not winnable by Ukraine. It's simply not winnable. At some point, like I said, we're going to have to say enough is enough, but I don't think this guy will do it, Biden. He doesn't have the balls to do it. He doesn't, simply doesn't have the balls to do it. I know one guy who would, not Trump, by the way. But that's two years away. How much more money are we going to feed these people? How much more, how much more virtue selling can we afford? That's the question. How much more virtue signaling can we afford and money can we afford to give to the Ukraine? Are we going to do this for two more years? Another what? 10 billion, 15 billion, 20 billion? When like you will hear on this show tomorrow night, there are, we have people in our streets here dying of fentanyl poisoning, dying of homelessness, dying of, of food insecurity. We have people here who need help. People here, who need assistance. And you know me, I don't believe money's the answer. I'm not saying take the 10 billion from here and give it to that. Little politicians do it all the time. They throw money at things. But how about the attention? How about Brooke Jenkins in San Francisco puts her attention on crime, saving small businesses, protecting the innocent, protecting the tax-paying, high-rent-paying citizens here, and lessen to this virtue signaling of abortion rights in a place where you can get as many abortions as you want, as often as you want. And we have a president, maybe, who talks more about the border and stopping the fentanyl, the fentanyl poisoning and the drugs coming through the border and puts more effort. Yes, maybe money into that if necessary, hiring more border guards, getting that wall going again, stuff like that, rather than just feeding this virtue signaling of Ukraine. This virtue signaling of we can we can help Ukraine do that. We can help we can help the hero Zelensky defeat the villain Putin. That's and that's they realize that most Americans are in that movie mind. They they live in a movie. They live in a movie. They live in a movie where a, a, a miracle mask or a miracle miracle vaccine stops a disease. They live in a movie where this money, where this miracle happens, where, where the little guy defeats the big guy, right? The, the David beats the Goliath. They know Americans live in this movie land. And so that's what they play into, this movie mentality. Not real world, movie mentality. I love movies. Look, I review movies every Friday night on this show. But I understand that's not real life. That's like, you know, like Hollywood. Like, 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 like not real. But so many people in this country, that's the way they think. They think in black and white terms, right? In heroes and villains. That's just not life. That's movies. That's not life. I'm sure Zelensky was a great stand-up comic. He seemed to be a very funny guy. I've seen some of his skits before he was president. But the guy probably shouldn't have been anywhere near the presidency. Just the way this guy Biden should have been anywhere near this presidency. Kamala Harris shouldn't be this heartbeat away from the presidency. These people don't belong in these positions. They belong in other positions. Biden belongs, you know, in, in a home playing Scrabble. I'm sure he can do that real well, you know. But it, it's like we have people in positions of power who just simply don't belong there. They don't belong there. And they're, they're placed there by people who live in a movie world.
not in a world of reality, right? In a movie world, the homeless people just need homes, right? Just build homes. I could see a movie like that, right? I could see a Frank Capra movie where they just build homes for the homeless and everyone's no one's homeless anymore. But that's not the way it works. That's not the real world. There are other issues, you see. There are shades of gray. There are other issues. There are other intangibles. There are other things going on that make up the issue. But in some reasoning, Americans, especially the left nowadays, can't seem to understand that. They can't seem to see this. They want to see things in black and white terms. And virtue signaling is that black and white of feeling good about something, right? Feeling good about something. I'm waving a flag. I'm, I'm putting an emoji on my, you know, I got an emoji. I got, a, I'm, I, have a, I have an account on Twitter and I have um, seven pronouns and six emojis. He, she, they, there, it, this, and Ukraine flag and, and the gay rights and the gay, the new gay flag that gives you epilepsy. If you have epilepsy, you go into a fit. If you see it, all this stuff, this is all gray. I'm, I'm such a virtuous person. I'm a virtuous person. What are you really doing? Nothing, but I'm virtuous. And once we, and I've talked about this before too, we don't teach critical thinking in schools. They want to teach kindergartners about gender, right? They want to teach second graders about race, but they don't want to teach them critical thinking. Teach them critical thinking. Don't teach them, don't tell them they're racist if you're white. Don't tell them in kindergarten that they should have the right without their parents' consent to get sex change. I don't want to hear this shit where teachers should have the right to talk to kids about their personal fucking life and their gender identity and their sexual orientation. Are you kidding me? Teach them about critical thinking, but they don't want that. The government doesn't want your kids to learn critical thinking from an early age because what you're telling them, when you teach children from an early age critical thinking, you're teaching them to be critical of the man, be critical of the na official narrative, be critical of their government. Be critical of authoritarian figures telling them what to do. They don't want that. Then you develop free thinkers. And free thinkers make up a democracy. They don't want that. They call free thinkers and critical thinkers during COVID conspiracy theorists. And they were right about 90% of everything. Maybe even 100%. They don't want that. It takes away their power when we learn how to think critically from a very young age. There is no class called critical thinking. Maybe there's something in college, even though I didn't see many courses like that when I was in college. But certainly nothing in, in elementary school or junior high school or high school, which is about real submersive critical thinking ability, teaching critical thinking. But you also need professors when you're teaching critical thinking who are actual professors who teach critical thinking and not their agenda. That's another problem. A lot of them will just teach critical thinking as their, their agenda, their narrative is the way you're supposed to think. That we can't have either. This is the problem, people, and it starts with education. It starts with education. Like, like Ron DeSantis has said, he's banning a lot of these things. I mean, there was something called, they wanted to teach kids in school what do they want to teach them in elementary school or junior high school? Uh, queer theory? What the fuck is queer theory? 
What is queer theory? Someone just tell me what queer theory is. The theory what? That you should be queer? What, what, is, what is queer theory? We're like, where are we in this country in like math and, and, and in, in, in English? Like bottom 20%, right? We're always down. We're always, they're always like 30, 40 countries above us. The wealthiest country in the world. And we're teaching queer theory. I don't even know what that is. But it's certainly something if you're going to make it up, let kids in college have, you know, you know, you need you need the extra credits to to to, to get the uh, to, to graduate. You need the extra credits to get financial aid. OK, put a queer theory, whatever the fuck that is in there. But no, they, they shouldn't be teaching these basics in elementary school or high school or junior high school. It's ridiculous. Teach the basics first. Let's get to the top five or the top 10 in math and English before we start talking about this crap. And of course the left will distort it and say, well, he doesn't want queer theory, meaning he's gay bashing. <laughs> you can't, you can't say the word gay or lesbian because he doesn't want queer theory being taught to, to 12 year olds. It's, it's totally insane. It really is. It's, t- it's totally insane. The world has gone mad. This country has gone crazy. It's gone crazy with wokeness, with virtue signaling, with the inability to question authority, with the inability to question people who say they know best for you, to tell you what what you have to do, what you must do with your life, what the government can tell your children, can get between the children and the parents, and the parents don't matter anymore. That the government get get between you and your doctor, and the doctor doesn't matter anymore. This is all has to end. Oh, we're going to be in a really fucked up, even more fucked up than we are now. Teaching teaching critical race theory to children, making children feel first of all, making black children feel that they're inferior. Still now, and making white children feel that they've caused that is is absolutely disgusting. If you want to teach, first of all, teaching about history, I learned about history. It wasn't called critical race theory. I learned about slavery. I learned about civil rights. I learned about all that. I learned about how white people were drank from one fountain and they made black people treat from nothing. Everyone's always taught that. I learned it in school. I learned it from a movie. There's no problem teaching that stuff. But why do we have to make everything about race? Why do we have to make everything about race? And why do the children growing up now have to bear that burden? Why do black kids growing up now have to be made to feel inferior, feel oppressed, feel like they have a, 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 a sneaker on their a foot on their throat? Why do white children growing up now have to feel that they've created that atmosphere, that they're the bad ones? It's absolute insane. And don't tell me that's not what they're teaching because that's what they want to teach. Because like I've said, I've learned about slavery. I learned about civil rights 30, 35 fucking years ago in school. So it's not a new thing to teach that stuff. But this stuff is new. This stuff is new. And there should be no place in the schools for it.
There should be no place in the schools for it. And when parents stand up like they did in Virginia, they kick out politicians who want to teach it. They kick out politicians who believe it should be taught. And they put in politicians who believe it shouldn't be. Hardly the deep south, Virginia, by the way, in case you haven't checked on your map lately. People are are getting more and more tired of this stuff. They're getting more and more tired of this stuff. And they're certainly getting tired of woke identity politics, right? I mean, let's face it. London Breed, Eric Adams, Beetlejuice in Chicago, the woman in New Orleans. They're all diversity hires. They're all diversity hires. There are people much more qualified than Eric Adams to be mayor of the largest city in the country, more qualified than and smart than London Breed to be mayor of this city, San Francisco. Lightfoot in Chicago. But they're diversity hires. How's that working out for these cities? How is identity politics working out for people in these cities? And when I say people in the cities, I want you to really think black people because they're the ones who are who are bearing the brunt of this stuff. They're the ones who, who, who bear the brunt of the crime. So these supposedly diverse hires are actually hiring, are actually hurting the exact race they're supposed to lift up by hiring these people. Because crime's going up in inner cities. That's where the crime's going up, in inner cities. Those are the people who suffer the most. And instead of going away with their tails between their legs, people like Lori Life would run for re-election. Why? Because they know that they can fool enough people to either feel they must vote for a black woman or because they want to, because they believe in diversity hires, or they feel or the white liberal will feel racist for not voting for the black woman. Right. There goes your there goes your there goes your your virtue signaling. Maybe it's white guilt if you vote against a black woman or a black man for mayor of a city. Maybe it's a white guilt. You have to do it. The the liberal white guilt. That's a big part of it also. So instead of just going away with their tails between their legs, they run for election in the city where crime is like up hundreds of percent. I mean, Chicago is a disaster, a disaster. New Orleans. New Orleans was a nice city. Always a little dirty. Tell you the truth. I've been there a few times. But always a nice it was a nice city. And now it's like I think crime there per capita is worse in Chicago now. And the mayor there is caught spending money on this luxury apartment and flying first class. <clears throat> and when she's asked about flying first class, she says a black woman is not safe in coach. What the fuck? How do you say that when you know, say, if you knew saying something like that would get you kicked out of office, if not immediately, then eventually when there's an election, if not immediately with a recall or, uh, you know, a uh, impeachment, eventually with an election, because, you know, there's a good chance with the voters there it won't matter because you're a black woman and they're going to vote for you again. Can you imagine if I said that if I was a mayor of a city and it was in shambles? And I'm and, and there's no money and we're broke like all these cities are, including mine. And 
and I flew first class. And I said, well, you know, as a white guy, I feel like I'm privileged to fly first class. How long would I fucking last? But that's the same thing as saying a black woman is not safe to run, to, 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 to sit and coach. Saying a black woman is privileged to ride in first class. Yet they know that there'd probably be no repercussions. Because identity politics rules the day in these blue cities. Identity politics rules the day in blue cities. It rules the day. So they can push it as far as they want. Look at London Breed, right? During the middle of COVID, where everyone here is locked down, masked. She goes out, no masks, spitting around, going into having, dancing and singing, not wearing a mask. She says she's feeling the spirit. What if a white guy said he was feeling this? What if a white guy told black people to wear masks? What if a white guy said to black people, wear masks? And then the white guy was found feeling the spirit, not wearing a mask in a, in a bar. How long would they fucking last? How long would they last? Well, I just answered my own question. They'd last a long time in a place like California. Right? In a place like California where a Democrat can do no wrong. So it's not just race. It's not just, it's not just uh, diversity. It's not just, it's not just uh, identity politics in a place like California. It's Democrat politics, right? Because Gavin Newsom did basically the same thing. It wasn't quite as egregious, Right? But it was bad. He was sitting in a restaurant when he told everyone else they couldn't go to restaurants. You know, she was, of course, you know, dancing and singing. And then she says she's feeling the spirit. She's allowed to feel the spirit. She's allowed to feel the spirit. Is it is it because she's mayor that she's allowed to feel the spirit or because she's a black woman or both? But it's just it's the it's the brazenness of these politicians throughout covid throughout this crime epidemic It's the brazenness where they can continue to flaunt in, in your face, where New York City's becoming like New York City in the 70s again, right? It's becoming a total crime-ridden shithole. That beautiful time, that period of the 90s and early 2000s when, when, when Giuliani was mayor and it was a clean city and one of the safest cities in the world and continued into Bloomberg has now become once again a crime-ridden shithole and their mayor has been talking tough for a year and doing nothing. Instead, he goes to the border. Why is the mayor of New York City at the fucking border? Why is the mayor of New York City at the southern border when his city is in shambles? Why? Because he's another egotistical bastard who wants to be look like a, a, a he wants to look like someone who's important. That's why. Photo ops. With a, with a jacket that reads mayor, New York City mayor. While people in his city are dying. People in his city are being pushed on tracks. This guy goes to the border for, for photo opportunities. But once again, it's this, it's this flaunting knowing that the people are not going to hold you accountable. The voters are not going to hold you accountable. If the voters were going to hold these people accountable, there would not be any of this shit. There wouldn't be any feeling the spirit. There wouldn't be any saying that a woman can't fly in coat, not say fly. There wouldn't be any going down to the border while your city's burning. There wouldn't be any of this stuff. There wouldn't be going to the French laundry whenever no one else can go out. There wouldn't be any of that stuff if there was accountability at the ballot box. 
No, there's not. They're basically saying, and I've said this before without saying it, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. It's okay. And they'll continue to do this. Over and over again, they'll continue to flaunt it. Over and over again, they'll do this with no end. The problem is, the rest of us, people like me, have to suffer along with it. If only those people who voted for these ineffectual losers suffered, it would be one thing. But the rest of us, obviously, obviously, have to suffer along with it, with them. Speaking of suffering, poor Adam Schiff is really suffering. He's suffering. He's putting up, he's putting up <laughs> TikTok. I th- wait a minute. I thought, I thought they didn't like TikTok. I thought they wanted to get rid of TikTok. Doesn't Adam Schiff and others want to get rid of TikTok? He was on TikTok today <laughs> complaining about uh, being removed from the Intelligence Committee by, by McCarthy. Why was he on TikTok? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Once again, the hypocrisy, right? They want to get rid of TikTok and they go on TikTok. Um, but he's upset that McCarthy has removed him, removed him and, and, and Swalwell from the Intelligence Committee. Uh, after the guy was wrong about everything, everything regarding intelligence he's, he's been wrong about, right? Russia, Russia, Russia to, to the January 6th, everything. He's on the wrong side of everything. Just simply pushing the Trump derangement syndrome narrative for the last eight years. And the other guy, Swalwell, is like a total nothing ball loser who gets hoodwinked into having a relationship with a Japanese spy. So you have two people who are the opposite of intelligence and they want to be on the intelligence committee. It's absurd. It's absurd. These guys shouldn't be on intelligence. Even if a Democrat was Speaker of the House, these people should not be on intelligence, let alone a Republican. So the Repu- they, uh, these same people will always say, oh, elections have consequences. Well, elections have consequences. The Republicans won the House. You're out. Don't go on TikTok and cry about it. Don't go on TikTok and cry about it. You have to remember something. They will always play the victim. And we know these people have been <laughs> the victim. They, we're, the, we're, the, we're the ones who were victimized by them, by their incompetence. But they'll always play the victim. They're always the victim of like Republican vengeance. Republican, it doesn't matter that they're totally uh, incompetent. It doesn't matter they're compromised. It doesn't matter they've lied for all these years. None of that matters. None of that matters. Look, Schiff and Swalwell were promoted up the ranks by Pelosi simply because they were virulent anti-Trumpers. That's all it was. They were virulent anti-Trumpers. They were really good at it. They were really mouthy, big mouths, right? Getting on MSNBC and CNN to talk their shit, to talk their shit about Trump. That's why they've been promoted. 
She wanted anti-Trump loudmouths. That's what she wanted, Pelosi. That's why they're there. They have no reason to be there. They have no reason to be there. That's the reason. And the entire reason why they're there. They get on TV. They bash Trump. That's all. There was no real investigations going on. There was no 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 actual substance to anything they did. They just bashed Trump. And that's why Pelosi wanted them there. And that's ended now. And now they're all, oh, oh God, we're such the victims. We're such victims of Republican vengeance. And, and think about it. They're, they're not going to be there. This is what really kills them. They're not going to have that spotlight, right, during the campaign. They're not going to have that spotlight during Trump's campaign. That's what really, that's what really gets them. That's what really burns their ass. They really wanted that spotlight for the next two years during the Trump campaign to try to tear him down as much as possible. This is coming from a guy who doesn't want him to win, but certainly doesn't deserve that garbage. Certainly does not deserve that fucking garbage. So that's why they've been taken off, because there's no reason to be there and because Republicans won. So why, if the Republicans win, should they put just true to two just blatant Trump bashers on the Intelligence Committee? Why? Americans voted for the Republicans to win. Americans voted because they wanted these guys out of there or they would have voted for Democrats to win again. But they'll cry. They'll go on TikTok and they'll cry. Oh, oh, we're such the victims. We're such, the... and you know, a number of people in their in their party will believe it. A number of people in their party will believe it. Uh, once again, I want to take this chance to remind everyone that tomorrow's show is a very special show for two reasons. One is my three hundredth show. I'm going to give myself thumbs up. 300th show, uh, so it's a little, a little bit of an anniversary. But also, I'm going to have Jackie Berlin of Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths on, and she will uh, talk about the fentanyl crisis throughout this country, but uh, also, of course, really bad here in San Francisco in the Bay Area. So she'll talk about the fentanyl crisis, her, her ideas of how we can combat it, her ideas of how we can help people who are out there who are drug addicts on the streets get help. Like I said, her own son, who is a who is a uh, drug addict for a long time now who lives on the streets of San Francisco to be close to his drugs and his drug dealers and uh, and the billboard she has just put up the second billboard her organization put up regarding uh, fentanyl crisis and addiction so that's going to be I'm looking forward to that it's going to be a good show um, and uh, it'll probably get us into a pattern of maybe talking about fentanyl more because even though you're not hearing about it on the legacy media Fentanyl is a huge, huge problem. It's a huge problem. It's one of the biggest problems our country is facing now. Forget Ukraine, forget COVID crap, forget all that nonsense. Fentanyl is the issue. And because we have an administration which has open borders and allowing millions of people to come in, including drug dealers 
uh, cartels who are spreading this, they don't want to talk about it because they're creating the problem. They're creating the problem. When you see a fentanyl overdose, it's not an overdose, by the way, and I'm sure Jackie will talk more about this. It's a poisoning. For a lot of people, it's a poisoning because they don't know they're taking. You're poisoned. You don't know you're taking poison. A lot of young people think they're taking some other kind of a pill, and there's fentanyl laced in it, and they die. So it's a fentanyl poisoning. And so they don't want to talk about that because it goes back to their lax border policies, right? They don't want to talk about it. So this administration will not put forget about how about forget about putting any money or effort into stopping our young people from being poisoned by fentanyl. Record numbers of young people dying every month now in this country from fentanyl poisoning. They won't talk about that. They won't put any money and effort into that. You're not going to see any 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 packages. This is another thing that that it goes. Congress, and I'm hoping the Republicans address this now, that they have the House. How about packages to deal with the fentanyl problem? How about packages to deal with the border and the drugs that are coming across it? This is why the Biden administration, the legacy media, doesn't talk much about fentanyl. It's not, it's not, it's not just an accident, okay? It's not just a coincidence. It's not just, oh, there are other things that are more pressing. It's because they don't want people to think about their lax border, their open border, which is allowing a lot of this to happen coming across the Mexican border, and a lot of it's coming from China also. They don't want to talk about those things. They don't want to talk about it. We'll talk more about it tomorrow, though. We're going to talk about it on this show. So that'll be tomorrow night's show, 300th show, and Jackie Berlin, Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Death. We'll talk for a while, and we'll also open it up if you want to uh, call in and ask Jackie any uh, any questions or have any ideas or opinions. That will be uh, – she welcomes. she'll welcome the calls. All right, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to cover today before we end the show for the day. And I think that's it. I think we covered a lot, right? We covered the, the judge in San Francisco with the Pelosi video. That'll be interesting to see what if anything comes out of that. Um, we've talked about the uh, assembly bill here, not allowing doctors to tell the truth about COVID. That's, we know about that. So there's a lot been, you know, the, the, the Abrams tanks. It's so funny. As I'm talking now, I had mentioned I, at the beginning of the show, I had made a joke. All right, a tasteless joke about 31 Stacey Abrams tanks. Someone put up actually, I don't know how they do this. These people are so brilliant. Someone put up a video <laughs> on Facebook, <laughs> Abrams tank, and it's a tank and it's a huge Stacey Abrams on top of it. I don't know how the editing is brilliant. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, uh, nothing to do with Stacey Abrams, 31 Abrams tanks that will be getting to Ukraine months from now. So another $400 million. Oh boy, it's never ending. Um, and tomorrow, and uh, tomorrow or Friday, we'll talk more about what Dr. Peter McCullough has uncovered when it comes to, which I wanted to get to tonight, but we'll probably hold it for Friday at this point when it comes to the vaccine side effects and heart issues. Okay, so this show airs Monday night through Friday night from... Uh, 11 p.m. airs 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And I'm Micah Chopoli, once again, reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.